Good morning, Cornerstone Church. It is so wonderful to be here with you guys today. Um, My name is Josh Gilchrist. Um, Jacob pronounced it correctly at first. Um, Just think the first um, syllable of Christmas, Gilchrist, um, that is my name. Um, I am, like I said, really thankful to be here. Um, I want to introduce uh, my family that has come with me. The most important relationship to me, other than my relationship with Jesus Christ, is um, with my wife, Pam, um, seated right there. Um, This past June, (laughs) thank you, yes, um, I hit the jackpot. I'm so blessed. Um, This past June, Pam and I celebrated our 20th anniversary and it's been um, God's grace clearly sustaining us. Um, we have three children. One of those um, is with us today. Isaiah decided he didn't want to sit next to me. Isaiah's in the back there. Um, he is 13 years old. We have two other kids, um, Josh Jr. and Nadine, who had a cross-country meet over in the Seattle area and got back last night, last night and, um, to Spokane. And they better be um, at second service at our church in Spokane, um, or we'll have words when we get back. But um, I have been a believer for about 23 years. I'm in my 40s. I had the privilege of growing up in the church and having godly parents who loved and served in the church. My dad was a deacon and an elder, um, but I was a knucklehead, as um, we all are, because of sin. I was a bigger knucklehead, though. I could probably um, guarantee that. Um, God saved me by his grace. He was patient, and uh, my life has never been the same. I'm not perfect by any means. But God has um, changed me and transformed me. And he not only saves us from our sins, but he saves us into his family, the church. And it's exciting to be a part of that. Um, I will just confess that I am not a pastor yet. Um, I desire and um, long to become one. Um, The past 17 years, I have been a high school and junior high English teacher. And um, that has been just a great um, opportunity for me. But as time went on, I I realized that um, I like to teach. Um, I don't like to grade as much. And there's a lot of grading that goes with being an English teacher. And um, throughout my life as a Christian, um, there's been that desire. Like, what about vocational ministry? What about becoming a pastor? What about um, having the the privilege and the responsibility of um, bringing God's word to people and um, I've been told that my spiritual gift is teaching, and I guess that would make sense since I was a teacher for so long. Um, But I stepped out in faith this um, past spring and um, stepped away from a teaching job and am hoping to get connected to the seminary that's there at Faith Bible Church, the Master's Seminary. I know that people from that seminary have come and um, spoken to you guys on Sundays. And so that's a little bit about me. I would love to talk to you uh, more about my life and my story um, after the fact, but but um, I'm excited to open God's Word with you guys. If you um, have your Bibles, um, please open to Romans chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 8 through 15 today. Um, a little bit more about my story. Um, an elder at my church approached me probably, probably a month ago and said, Hey, um, you're, you're desiring to become a pastor. I have a challenge for you. Um, develop some messages, some sermons that you could deliver at churches and um, reach out to some people um, that don't have pastors at the moment or need um, people to fill the pulpit from time to time and be willing to do that and get the experience and the opportunity and see how you like doing that. If it's something that you're meant to do, you're going to um, be there and you're going to want more of that. And um, so I I took that challenge to heart. I didn't know um, that I would be speaking on a Sunday so soon. Um, Here I am about a month later um, speaking to you guys, and I'm so thankful for 
the opportunity. I am confident in Scripture. Scripture is um, God-breathed. It's His Word. Every word proves true. It's profitable for us. It transforms our lives. And so with that, I have um, great confidence in um, what I'm going to share with you guys today. So let's read um, Romans 1, 8 through 15 together, and then I will pray. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow, by God's will, I may at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I want you to know, brothers, that I've often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. I'm under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So I'm eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. Let's pray. Lord, I am so thankful um, to be here um, with my brothers and sisters, many of whom I'm uh, meeting for the first time and um, some familiar faces and connections. I'm thankful for the fact that you not only save us from our sins, but you save us into your church and allow us to encourage one another and to grow together and to worship you and proclaim your excellencies and to bring the gospel um, to each other and to the lost around us, Lord. I do pray, um, and I thank you for Cornerstone Church. I thank you for answering their prayer and providing a, a teaching elder. Um, I, I just lift up that whole situation and pray that you would um, um, prepare the way um, for Timothy and his wife and kids to be able to come here and um, settle in, and they would be unified with the body here, Lord. Thank you for these believers here who are committed to gathering and encouraging one another and being fed by your word, Lord. Uh, may you speak power th powerfully through this passage. Uh, may it be your word um, that impacts us, and may we be willing to obey it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, today I want to take you guys back in time to the time of um, Paul's third missionary journey. Um, the early church um, functioned a little differently than it does today. Um, probably wasn't coffee served. Uh, microphones um, were not a part of the deal. Um, there weren't websites and, and things like that. But God was building his church, and Paul was very active in that process. Paul was on his third missionary journey, and it established a lot of churches. And while staying um, at Corinth, most likely, um, and ministering to the believers there, Paul wrote um, chronologically in the order that Paul wrote them. He wrote his sixth letter um, the letter to the believers um, at Rome, um, the book of Romans, which we're looking at today. Um, I would guess that um, Romans has impacted many of you. How many of you could raise a hand and say that you could um, recite at least three verses from the book of Romans, that you know some um, verses from Romans? Let me, let me just test one out, and you guys are going to get the opportunity to just, I'm going to stop, and you're going to tell me the next word, okay? For the wages of sin is... But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans is um, a very powerful and influential book. Um, there's actually a gospel sharing method called the Romans Road. You can lead um, people and share the gospel through many verses um, in Rome. It's, it's impacted many of us. 
And um, this book is theologically rich and systematically developed, um, like none other of Paul's letters, but yet it still contains some of his um, themes and characteristics. And one of those themes is Paul um, offering um, commendation, not condemnation, but commendation, I commend you, good job, and expressing how he prays for them and how he's thankful to the Lord for the things going on in their lives. And um, Paul does that, that's what we're going to look at. Paul um, expresses his prayer that he prays constantly regarding the saints at Rome. He is immensely thankful to God um, for the work that he's doing in them, and he longs greatly to be with them and to enjoy um, mutual fellowship. There's something that we need to know about this, though. Um, Paul had um, never gathered with these believers at Rome. These were people that he had heard of, and his affection, nonetheless, is strong, and he's writing this beautiful letter to them and um, wants to be with them. He um, probably knew, he actually did, we'll talk a little bit later about some people that he did know who um, actually let him know that God was working in Rome. Um, But overall, the saints at Rome were unknown to Paul. Kind of like when I came here today, many of you were unknown um, to me, Um, but nonetheless, I was excited to be here with you. Um, Brothers and sisters, we are the church. Even though Cornerstone and Faith Bible Church, where I attend, are separated by about a three-hour drive, we are part of the same body, the church which Christ purchased with his own blood. We're united in that sense. Um, Rome and Corinth to Paul um, were the church. They were not two separate entities. Paul saw all believers as as his family. And that's why he could offer up his um, prayer of heartfelt affection for a place that he hadn't been yet. And this challenges me big time to evaluate um, even my affection for the people in my own church, if Paul could um, be so excited and desirous of spending time with these people, um, how much more so do I need to grow in that? And it it makes me ask, what was Paul's secret? How could Paul um, be so affectionate and loving to these people that he hadn't met yet? And his secret was that he prayed a lot and unceasingly. A couple of weeks ago, um, if you were here, um, you may remember um, Ray Hanna coming and um, teaching to you guys about prayer. And um, uh, I'll just let you guys know I've been stalking you a little bit. I'm, I'm kidding. I haven't been stalking you. But I went onto your website when, um, after Jacob reached out to me and asked if I would come and just thought, you know, I want to just see what this church is about and saw the sermons and saw that Ray had um, preached. And I've just kind of recently re- met Ray and hadn't heard him preach yet. He's a, a student at the seminary and I, I listened to it and enjoyed it. And um, one of the things that stood out, you may remember this, he says that when we come to God in prayer, it's not us. Um, grabbing a hold of God's strings as if though God were some kind of marionette puppet. I'm sorry for the gesture there. But um, what, what it is when we come to God is we um, give him our strings and allow him to take control of us. That's um, why we pray. He reorients our hearts. And um, in the same way, when we pray for other believers, God takes um, the strings of our heart and ties them together with other believers and knits us together. And I believe that's what is going on with Paul. He prays um, a lot for these believers. I hope um, that you want to grow in your affection for other believers. I hope that you do. That's God glorifying. That's what he calls us to do. Uh, My challenge is that we would be prayerful for other people, um, faithfully and continuously. My main idea today is this. Paul's prayer in Romans 1, 8 through 15, gives us an example of love for God, love for God's people, and love for God's mission. Let's look at the first kind of love that Paul um, had, 
love for God. And we see this in um, verse 8 and the first half of verse, verse 9. Um, he begins this section, if you have um, the ESV, just out of curiosity, um, how many of you read out of the ESV? Okay, a few of you. Um, in the ESV, the first word there is first. And if you look down um, through the paragraph, you do not see a second or a next or a also. Um, Paul would maybe not get the best grade in my English composition class. Um, if you remember being in um, English and having to write outlines, um, it, it's not just a point A. There's got to be a point B that follows point A. Now, I am not um, calling out Paul it, it whatsoever. It's just he'd get really excited and would gush with a lot of emotion. It would maybe forget about the transitional language, and we can't fault him for that. Paul has some really um, long sentences. If you read his letters, there's one sentence that is about 11 verses long, which um, the English teacher in me is like, no, use a period, use a semicolon, do something, you know, pause. But that's okay. Paul is full of enthusiasm, not just for the people, but for the God who um, created these people and is um, working in this people. He says after that um, transitional word first, he says, I thank my God through Jesus Christ. He says that before he says anything about the people. He doesn't come out and say, you guys are amazing. I love you. Kudos to you. He does love them, but he starts with um, thanksgiving toward God, his God. Um, and we need to do the same thing whenever we think or thankful for things. We need to remember the one who gives us those gifts and the one who creates those things. James 1.17, if you are taking notes, and I think that that's a great way to um, dig into God's word. You don't have to take notes, but if you're taking notes, just jot that reference down. Um, it says basically that every perfect gift comes um, down from the Father of lights with whom there is no shifting shadow. Every one of us has a tendency to forget about um, the creator and to get caught up in the creation and um, relationships and gifts. Paul um, doesn't do that. Paul um, remembers that um, the reason he's able to enjoy people and, um, is because God created it. Everything comes from his hand, and we should do the same thing. Right after he says, I thank my God, he says, um, through Jesus Christ. And it could be easy to just glance over this and get to the people and why Paul is thankful and how amazing these people are. But I think that this is um, something that we shouldn't do. Um, really what's going on here is Paul is acknowledging when I, I come before the Father and pray, it's through Jesus Christ that I'm able to do that. I have no right for my prayers to be heard by God, even my prayers of thanksgiving. And it's because of what Jesus did, being our high priest and becoming that sacrifice for us. He stands at the right hand of the Father, victorious, um, and um, our prayers to God are acceptable because of Jesus. And Paul remembered Christ in all things and tried to keep him central. Um, after that, um, you'll see that he says, um, because he's, he, I'm thankful to you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. And this sounds like he's talking about the people finally, but, but wait a minute. Let's talk about faith and how that's actually something that shows his love for God. Um, I'm going to give you just a, a Gilchrist, a um, simple definition of faith. Faith is believing in who the Bible says Jesus is, trusting in him for um, salvation from our past, salvation in our present, and salvation for our future. I'll say that one more time. Faith is believing in who the Bible says that Jesus is and trusting in him alone for salvation from our past, salvation in our present, and salvation for our future. 
Um, if you jump down a couple verses um, to Romans 1.17, um, Paul, in verse 16, talks about how he's not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God um, for salvation to everyone believes. And in verse 17, he says, For in it, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. And um, notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say God's righteousness is revealed by our faith. Okay? It is not our faith that makes God righteous. It is um, something, um, faith itself is um, something that is so important. Without it, we're unable to please God. And um, God's righteousness is revealed from faith. And while we know that um, we need faith if we're believers, we have to ask ourselves a question. Is faith something that we muster up on our own? If, if we know Scripture, um, we know that that's not the case. Go ahead and write down Ephesians 2, 8-9 through 9, if you're taking notes. That verse says that faith is not of ourselves. It is a gift of God, not a result of our works. We have no reason to boast. We do nothing to produce our faith, even though we're called to have it. It's a gift that God um, allows us to have faith. Um, turn in your Bibles a couple chapters over to Romans 3. Um, we're going to look at um, 23 through 25a, just to kind of make that case that um, faith is something that we should um, praise God for and not boast in ourselves. I bet you guys, um, Romans 3.23 is one of those verses that you have memorized, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Um, I'm going to read on into verse 24. And are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood, to be received by faith. So um, God offers grace and justification and redemption through the blood of Christ. Um, that song that we just sang, God the just is satisfied to look on Jesus and pardon me. That's what propitiation is. We've all sinned and are worthy of God's wrath. We are under his judgment because of that. But instead of punishing us, the father put forward his son as propitiation to be received by faith. God didn't look down and say, wow, those people in Spokane have great faith or going to have great faith, so I'm going to send my son those people in Leavenworth have amazing faith. I want to do something. No, God moved first and sent his son as um, the satisfying um, sacrifice for his wrath. So Paul rejoices in God. When he talks about the faith, he's rejoicing in God's goodness and his faithfulness that moved first to allow um, us to receive what he did by faith. I hope that's clear and that makes sense. And um, Paul was rejoicing that their faith was echoing throughout the world. If, if you know the Bible, right, after, right before Jesus ascends, he promises his disciples, you will be my witnesses here in Jerusalem, and it's going to spread. It's going to spread to the ends of the earth. And Paul was seeing this after years of ministry. He was seeing it um, go further and further as it started in Jerusalem and was now in Rome. He rejoiced in that and gave God all the glory and um, praise for that. Now, how did Paul know about this if he hadn't really been there? Uh, most likely, um, you may be familiar with um, Bible characters Priscilla and Aquila, who were Paul's co-workers and laborers in Corinth. They were actually, they had lived in Rome, and they had been expelled from um, Italy. All the Jews were expelled in 52 AD by the emperor Claudius. 
and um, Priscilla and Aquila came and joined Paul in ministry and um, refreshed him. That's probably where he heard um, most about it, but people um, traveled. You will actually see if you read the book of Romans, the last chapter is Paul sending greetings to different people um, to um, whom he was familiar with, and um, we learned that Priscilla and Aquila got to go back because he sends greetings to them as well, but that's probably how he heard about their faith, and he rejoiced in that. Um, one last um, little phrase um, there in um, the first half of verse number nine. Um, Paul says, I serve God with my spirit. Okay, God is my witness whom I, I serve with my spirit. And if you know Paul's story, it's an amazing conversion story. He was completely hostile to the gospel. He, um, he was on his way actually to arrest people who were worshiping Jesus, putting them in jail, and God uh, miraculously got his attention. Paul would have said, I'm a servant of God. He believed, I, I don't know if he would have said that he was a servant of God. He felt like he was one of God's choice people. He was a Pharisee. He was zealous um, for legalism and the law, and the name of Christ was very offensive to him. And it was through God's grace getting a hold of him um, on his way to do destruction to the church. God um, rescues him and um, appoints him. And you can read about Paul's conversion in Acts um, chapter 8 and 9. Um, Galatians 1, he also provides a little biography about what God did in him. But because of God's powerful work, Paul could now say that I serve from the heart. I serve in my spirit. It's not outward. It's not uh, man-focused. It's, it's from my heart. God has given me a new heart. And um, Paul rejoiced in that. Paul was very, very much um, worshipful and glorifying God um, in these, these verses. So Paul's prayer is covered in genuine love for God, which will flow into our next two points, um, love for God's people and love for God's mission. Let's um, take a look at the second point, Paul's love for God's people. How many of you love coming here and being with God's people every Sunday? We should all be raising our hands. What a, what a blessing to be able to do that and to have family um, that goes um, beyond like biological means, but that spiritual family, it's such a blessing. And again, these are people that Paul uh, may not have even known, and he looked at them as family. Um, that was really his heartbeat. He wanted to see people get saved, and he wanted to see those people who got saved be established in the faith and established individually and corporately in churches. And that's what Paul was all about. Paul says in verse, um, verse 9 and um, verse 10, without ceasing, I mention you always in my prayers. That um, phrase, without ceasing, comes from the Greek. Um, pardon my pronunciation here. Um, I'm not Greek. Um, a dialipo, um, which means without intermittent interruptions, which means that Paul didn't let a lot of time go between um, praying for other people. Um, a lot of times when we read this verse, we may take it the wrong way and think that praying without ceasing means that we kneel down somewhere or lock ourselves in a dark room and do nothing but pray. That's really not possible for any of us. Um, if you've ever had the opportunity to pray for long times, that's a great, great thing. Um, but what I think he's saying is that he just doesn't allow a lot of time um, to go by before um, he's praying again for people. And so um, this is convicting to me. I know that I need to pray more faithfully for people. And I think that there's some things that we can do, just some things that have been helpful to me. Um, it's really helpful to have reminders, and a lot of us have smartphones. Um, we can set reminders to pray for people. We can get 
prayer apps. Does anyone in here out of curiosity have prayer apps that remind them when to, to pray? I have one of those. I don't use it and follow through like I should, but you can do a lot of things with your phone. We can um, use our phones for good to remind us to pray. We can send texts to people asking people how we can be praying for them. This morning I was um, bombarded with texts um, from people who said, hey, I'm praying for you as you go to this church to proclaim God's word. And that is such an encouragement to know that people are praying and um, you can use your phones you can um, create a prayer journal you can join a prayer group where you're devoted um, if, you, if you meet together just make sure that you spend some time praying for one another it's a, a, pl- a pleasure and a privilege to be able to do that for other people so um, Paul's prayers never ceased and neither should ours One of the things that he prayed for specifically that shows his love for people is that if it was God's will, he would um, be successful in coming to them. And um, being together is is crucial and important. Um, Zoom and Skype meetings are just not the same as gathering together. It's just not not that God can't use and bless those things, but that face-to-face contact is so important, and he longed for that. Um, Why did Paul want to see these people face-to-face? Well, he says... In verse 11, that he longs to see them so that he could impart some spiritual gift to them. Um, if you are a believer, God um, gives you a spiritual gift or gifts. It comes from the Greek word charisma. It doesn't mean that you're necessarily charismatic and dynamic and exciting when you talk, but you are all gifted if you are God's children. He has given you a gift. Um, and that gift is not for you to go around boasting like, I'm a great teacher, I'm a great, you know, um, mercy giver or whatever. It is so that we can strengthen one another, so that we can build each other up. That is the main reason why he gives those gifts. Now, Paul doesn't even say what his spiritual gift is, what that gift is that he's going to impart to them. Um, he just says, I'm going to impart some spiritual gift and strengthen you. Um, if you want to take a look at spiritual gifts, um, Jacob read Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. That's one of the passages where Paul talks about how he gifts different people for different roles and ministries to build up the body so that people um, grow in maturity and um, unity of the faith and um, become more like Christ eventually and that they would be protected from all the um, craziness in the world as we see the world becoming more and more godless and um, people turning aside and um, turning to their own ways. And even forsaking like objective, tru- objective truth, it's really kind of crazy. Um, that's influencing believers. That's influencing Christians. And we need to gather together so that we can be equipped and not be tossed to and fro by all those different ideas. So Ephesians 4, 11 through 16 is a good verse talking about that and the strengthening. Um, Romans chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians 12 um, talk about it as well. And um, how many of you out of curiosity um, have learned about spiritual gifts and could maybe say, I think that I, I know what some of my spiritual gifts are, or what a spiritual gift is. Okay. Um, you can actually go online and take surveys and stuff like that. And I wouldn't really recommend that. I think that people get caught up in like, I don't know how I'm gifted. How am I gifted? Or I'm not as gifted as that person over there. If you're a part of the body of Christ, the body of Christ needs to be strengthened and built up. And my encouragement for you would be to just jump in. Um, Whatever it is you can do, jump in and seek to make the people around you um, stronger and and better. That's that's really what it's about. It's it's not um, for the focus to be on, oh, I wonder what my spiritual gift is. It's like, how can I bless the people around me with that gift? That is um, what Paul is talking about. I want to strengthen you with my gift. So... um, 
Like I said, he doesn't say what that particular spiritual gift is. I think it could be a lot of things. It could be his teaching. It could be his evangelism. But um, a lot of us are gifted in different ways, and we just don't know. And you may jump into a situation and realize, like, you know what? I have no business teaching a Sunday school lesson. But you know what? I'm really good at, at helping people and encouraging people with my words. I just can't teach a lesson. God um, will be faithful as you come together with other believers. He will make it clear how you can um, build other people up. And there's, there's need all around, guys. There, there always is, okay? Um, we don't want just two or three people or 10% of the church doing 95% of the church's work. We need to, to come together and encourage each other in that way. And so I want you to notice how Paul changes things up at the beginning of verse 12. If you're reading the ESV, you'll notice a double dash at the end, which is... Um, it symbolizes that there's an interruption or like kind of a, I want to clarify something. Let, um, wait a minute, basically. Let me, let, me, let me interrupt what I'm saying. And verse 12 begins um, with him saying, that is that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. This was the Apostle Paul, who was probably one of the greatest evangelists, one of the most, pro the most prolific epistle writer in the New Testament, a great planter of churches. And he says... I'm not only coming to give you my spiritual gift and coming to strengthen you, but I am coming to be mutually encouraged by you. Um, imagine if like John Piper or John MacArthur um, messaged you guys and said, I'm going to come and I'm going to teach and bless you guys with God's word, but I'm going to look to you to strengthen me. We'd be like, I don't know how to strengthen John MacArthur. John MacArthur really knows a lot about the Bible or whatever. But really, that's, that's the way it's, it's supposed to be. When we come together, no matter what your gift is, um, you can be mutually encouraged by every, um, every single believer um, in the church. That's um, something that is so, so important. I want to talk. I actually want to give you guys a um, little, it's a bonus assignment, extra credit, not that you have to turn it in or anything, but um, go through Paul's letters. Romans is the first one, and in our Bibles, it's organized from longest to shortest. Romans through Philemon, all but one of Paul's letters begin with him expressing reasons why he's thankful for these churches, and I think it would be a good thing for us to take a look at those and consider how we could um, be those type of people as well for one another and um, build up those um, who lead us, our shepherds and our elders. I want to just give you a couple that I looked at as I was preparing this. Um, we can turn away from our idols and we can tell our shepherds and elders how we're doing that. Like, hey, I got rid of my TV or hey, I um, am no longer watching three football games when I get home from church. I'm going to just watch one. Um, I am trying to spend more time with God. I've um, put restrictions on my phone. Um, I've um, gotten rid of my phone. Not that you have to do that, but just whatever it is that's distracting you, those areas um, that are becoming, um, have, having mastery over our lives more than God. Um, when we share those things, that's a great encouragement to leaders. We can love each other. That's a great way to um, bless leaders. I know that we have some parents in here, and I'm going to guess that I am not the only, uh, that Pam and I are not the only parents whose kids fight sometimes, okay? Um, 
Isn't it a blessing, parents, when your kids get along and are kind to one another? Isn't that such a blessing? It's a blessing in the same way to pastors and elders when they see the body being unified and being kind to one another and um, pursuing unity. Um, finally, Paul, um, uh, just one more, um, he commends the church at Thessalonica for following good examples and then becoming good examples themselves. That's discipleship in a nutshell right there. You put yourself under someone who's a good example that you can be like, and then you seek to be that type of example to other people um, who are younger than you and train those people up to do the same sort of thing. I'd imagine um, elders in this church, that would give you great encouragement to see people um, doing that, and that's possible. So um, I want to add just a couple more ideas. This is my favorite part of the passage, if you can't tell, just that mutual encouragement and how we can encourage other people. We can encourage our shepherds and elders by praying for them and praying with them. We can encourage them by not grumbling and complaining about things, but instead showing gratitude. Um, last Saturday, I attended um, the memorial service of my grandma, who was 93 years old, a very sweet lady who had a powerful impact on my life and the lives of others. And the pastor who presided over her memorial service um, was someone who knew her personally. She had attended the, the church for a number of years, and he said that every Sunday my grandma would come up and thank him for the message and um, just talk about how she appreciated it and how it impacted her. Um, I, that goes a long way. Um, not saying that I want people to come up and thank me. Um, you don't have to do that, but just especially when you come up and say, man, that really convicted me in this way. This is how I need to grow. I think that that offers great um, encouragement. We are called in scripture to honor those who labor um, in the word, and that is something that we can do. So I'm encouraging every one of you here at Cornerstone, um, be an encouragement. Elders, okay? Um, impart your spiritual gift um, to the people in this church, but don't miss out on the opportunity to let other people um, strengthen you um, and mutually encourage you. It's basically um, that term strengthen that Paul says, I'm going to strengthen you, and then mutual encouragement in the next verse, the same Greek root is there. We're going to come together and we're going to strengthen together. And those of you who are not elders seek um, to find ways to mutually encourage them and strengthen them. So um, brings us to our final point. Um, we see, we, we've seen that Paul's prayer gives us an example of um, love for God, love for God's people, and finally, love um, for God's mission. Um, these things really go hand in hand. If you love God, you're going to love um, his people and what he calls his people to do. His, his mission is about making a people for himself who um, love and glorify him and who um, love and edify other people and are seeking to bring other people in um, to that body. Now, Paul was instrumental in doing this. Paul planted a lot of churches and invested in a lot of young people and trained them up to be pastors. Um, every one of his um, letters just shows that heart. Um, so Paul, Paul basically says in verse 13, we've read it already, but... Um, I want you to know, brothers, that I've often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented. Um, for the sake of time, I'm not going to read um, this passage right now, but if you want to jot down Romans 15, 17 through 24, um, toward the end of this letter, Paul talks about um, what had prevented him from being able to um, come and uh, gather and worship with the believers in Rome. He had been unable to come to Rome ultimately because he'd been busy doing God's work elsewhere. Um, he was letting Christ accomplish great things through him. 
It says there in that Romans 15 passage that he had been making um, disciples of Gentiles um, from Jerusalem all the way to Illyricum, which would be modern-day Albania, northwest of Greece. But he was fulfilling the ministry of Christ. And the way that Paul operated is he, would go, he wanted to go new places where the gospel had really never been proclaimed and where there wasn't a church. He didn't want to come and hijack someone else's ministry. He wanted to go where Christ had not been named, not building on someone else's foundation. That's why he was not able to, to come. He was busy um, planting churches and leading people to Christ um, through the power of the Holy Spirit. And um, Paul felt like he couldn't rest until those people were established and in, in good hands with um, overseers. And Paul actually says in um, Romans 15, 17 through 24, there is no more room for my work here. He had gotten to a point where he felt like he could come to Rome. And that's an amazing testimony of God's grace through Paul. Um, let's take a look at it. Well, really quick, let me back up a little bit. He says that it, you may be wondering, like, if there are already believers in Rome um, and Paul didn't want to go where Christ had already been named, why did he want to go there? Well, Paul had um, bigger plans. He wanted to go all the way to Spain, um, a place which most likely didn't have believers, but he wanted to stop in Rome and um, be helped along his way, mutually encouraged. And so, um, Paul really longed to come to them and had been prevented, but now he is um, able and plans to, plans to do that. Um, the second half of verse 13 shows us why he intended to come to them. He wanted to reap some harvest um, among them as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. He wanted to be used to lead other people to Christ. Um, most likely, the, the church at Rome was not a big Roman Catholic cathedral with um, hundreds or thousands of believers. It was small house churches. And Rome, um, historians, um, anywhere, say anywhere from 1 million to 4 million residents, a couple house churches in Paul's eyes was not enough, and he wanted to, to come and um, to participate in the gospel ministry there and to reap some kind of a harvest there. That was Paul's, um, Paul's heart. Um, Rome did have some Jewish people, but um, the majority were Gentiles, and that was, that was Paul's focus. He, he certainly led some Jewish people to Christ and proclaimed, but if you've read through the book of Acts, there comes a point where Paul gets tired of the opposition and finally just says, you know what, I'm going to go to the Gentiles. Now, he doesn't say that it's so nicely, but basically he, um, his ministry is focused on non-Jewish people and Gentiles, and um, he says in um, verse 14, I'm under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. In the Greco-Roman world, um, Rome had a huge um, control of uh, many different countries and places. Um, but, but even though that was the case, Greek culture was still a big thing. People um, had adopted Greek um, customs, literature, philosophy, um, outlook of life. And um, when you would say that someone is, is Greek, it, it not only meant that they were from, from Greece, but they had adopted those, those customs. And um, that level of sophistication is the way I like to look at it. On the opposite end of the spectrum, there's barbarians, people who didn't adopt those customs. Um, a really bad analogy would be like the city folks versus the country bumpkins, you know. Um, basically, um, Paul is saying it doesn't matter how sophisticated you are, whether you are Greek or barbarian, whether you are considered wise or foolish, the gospel is for you. And honestly, the gospel seems um, to, to be more influential in the lives of those that would be um, considered foolish. It says that in um, one of the Corinthians letters. 
Um, but basically, he's saying there's not a, a Gentile that I won't try to reach with the gospel. I'm under obligation now. What does that mean? Obligation is that he carries a sense of debt. Now, when we say the word debt in um, America, that has a negative connotation most likely. But there are also good kinds of debt. And I'm not talking about mortgages. I'm talking about... Um, the debt that you owe to someone who's done something to really bless your life. And Paul was so thankful for Jesus' sacrifice and what he had done to save him um, from the destruction that he was causing and the eternal destruction to which he was headed. And he was grateful for that, and he wanted to share that with other people. Um, I think of a 9-11 survivor. Just imagine um, if you know the story of 9-11 and the four planes that were hijacked, two of those planes crashing into the Twin Towers in New York City. If um, you were somebody who had been rescued by a firefighter, that they'd brought you out of a stairwell and rescued you um, from death, from burning, burning alive, and you watch that firefighter go back in and maybe save a couple people, but eventually the, the building collapses and that um, firefighter doesn't make it out, you would probably feel a sense of indebtedness to that person who saved you. You would want to tell their story and your story about the difference that that's made in your life, being saved, being able to continue living. You would um, kind of mourn for the fact that that person had to die for you. There would be a sense of mourning. There would be a desire to um, honor um, whatever that person had left behind, whether that's a family, to encourage those people. I, th I know that th that would hopefully be the way we would want to react. That's not a bad type of debt, and I think that's what Paul is carrying right there. Like He knew that Jesus was the propitiation for his sins, that he died in his place and rescued him from the destruction. I, um, I really like Christian rap. I promise I'm not going to rap right now, but there's a Christian rapper named Shylin in one of his songs. He says, in three hours, Christ suffered more than, ever, than any sinner ever will in hell. Jesus said to enjoy this perfect relationship with the Father, and that was broken for those three hours as he suffered and took the wrath that we deserved. And so Paul felt a sense of indebtedness there. He was thankful, and that was the obligation that drove him to continue proclaiming the gospel to other nations. Um, one commentator says of this passage that the gospel has um, come to us. We have no liberty to keep it to ourselves. Good news is for sharing. Um, we are under obligation to make it known to others. Um, the last thing that Paul says in verse 15, and we are running out of time, but I want to give you another extra credit or bonus assignment. Um, if you have a study Bible um, or there's a good resource called Talk Through the Bible that outlines the different books of the Bible. It'd be really cool to just look through how Romans is organized, and as you read those key points in the outline, you'll see a first and a second, but um, you'll see key gospel points. Um, Romans is a great place to, to look if you're wondering how to share the gospel. Um, but notice what Paul says, I'm eager to preach the gospel to you. Uh, you're believers, but I'm going to come and proclaim the gospel to you. Now, the gospel is not something that we ever graduate from. It's not Gerber baby food. Um, it is the meat that sustains us. We need the gospel and the good news to come to Christ, but we need it to grow in maturity, and we need to apply the gospel. In Romans, if you take the time to study it, you'll see that Paul lays the gospel out beautifully. It talks about God's righteousness and then our failure to meet up to, to that standard and God um, offering Jesus as a sacrifice and how we can be declared righteous if we put our faith in what he did for us. And then when we put our faith 
Like I said, we're made righteous and God gives us victory and triumph over sin. He gives us hope. That's, that's the beauty of the gospel. And that's what Paul unpacks after this um, beautiful introduction where he talks about how he prays for these people. So take some time um, to just look at an outline of Romans and um, come up with some gospel truths. Preach the gospel to yourselves and to those who don't know the gospel. God um, can use it, but we need it. We never graduate from it. So um, the letter that Paul wrote, I, I tend to think that maybe he's like, I'm eager to come and preach the gospel to you, but just in case I can't make it, let me write 16 chapters that beautifully presents the gospel to you. Um, the letter made it to the church at Rome in the hands of a saint named Phoebe. You can read about that in chapter 16, verse 1. Um, this letter to the Romans made gospel ripples not only in Rome, but it now resonates with us today, doesn't it? God's word is so good. So I love this introductory prayer or this expression of how Paul prays concerning the Romans, and it launches beautifully into a detailed gospel presentation which Paul longed to preach to them. And um, if you know Paul's story, you know that Paul got his wish, but probably not the way that he imagined. Paul came to Rome as a prisoner, going to stand trial before Caesar. And um, as when Paul was a prisoner, he was afforded a little bit of freedom so that he could interact with people. Um, when he got to Rome, he was under house arrest, and people could come to him freely. So the gospel is pretty much unstoppable if you, you give Paul that kind of advantage. Like, you're under arrest, but you can have people come over to your house. The gospel is going to go forward. But as Paul approached um, Rome, as he got into Italy, when he was about 170 miles away, Paul came to the realization that there was a body of believers in a town called Puccioli. I can't, I'm trying to sound Italian, and it's not working. But um, Puccioli, there were believers there, and they asked Paul to stay with him. For, for seven days, and he did. He met brothers and sisters in Christ who most likely encouraged him and strengthened him. Christianity had spread um, from Rome to this town 170 miles away. What's even uh, more beautiful about this story is Paul marches on um, under the um, guard of these um, Roman soldiers. When he gets about 40 miles away from Rome, uh, a little marketplace that was called the Forum of Appius, there were people in Rome before the days of social media and um, travel itineraries. Somehow these people knew that Paul was coming, and they traveled 40 miles away, which was a long way to go back in that, that time. And they encouraged him as, as he arrived. They were excited to see him. Um, another 12 miles down the road, there was another group of people from Rome there to greet him. It would appear that Paul's letter made it to them and that they were as eager to be with him as he was with them. I would imagine that Paul was greatly strengthened by this reception. And the last couple of verses of Acts, I think, just um, talk about it beautifully. Paul lived in Rome for two years under some form of house arrest where he was allowed to welcome all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Imagine the harvest that he reaped when he got there. Imagine his joy at how God answered his prayers and bringing him there to Rome. I want to take a few minutes, and, um, or just, just a minute, for us to pray in the quietness of our hearts that God would help us apply some of the things that we've looked at in this passage today. Um, just our application points, and these are things that you can pray about. Um, 
Praise God for the faith that he produces. Praise him for your own faith, the faith of other people, other Christians that you know. Praise him for the work that he's doing in the world. Secondly, pray consistently for other believers. And then thirdly, pray um, that mutual, mutual encouragement and strengthening would be taking place in this church and every church that calls on the name of Christ. And pray, finally, for opportunities to participate in gospel ministry. So I'm going to give you just a minute to pray, and then I will um, close our time. Just take a minute and um, bow your heads, and any of those things, whatever God puts on your heart, just pour out your hearts to Him. Lord, I, I do thank you for your word. I thank you for the privilege it's been the last couple of weeks to dig into this passage and um, just be impacted by it, Lord. I have work to do in my own heart and my prayer for other people. Uh, I pray that you would make me into a man that um, longs for other people the way that Paul did and, and that I would be faithful in that. Pray that we would all be um, faithful to impart our gifts to one another, that we would come together and be mutually encouraged and strengthen each other. I lift these dear brothers and sisters up to you. I thank you for the privilege it is to speak to them today. May we be transformed by your word and by the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen.